On October the 31st, 1517, Martin Luther posted 95 big questions which he believed faced the church of his day to a local church door in Wittenberg, Germany. 500 years later, I decided to post 95 new questions, one a week, to the web, questions which I believe the church must face in the 21st century. Most of us don't see things the way they are. We see things the way we are. So it's fascinating just how many presentations on becoming a Christian simply stop at the cross. The gospel, we're often told, is as simple as A, B, C. Accept God loves you, believe that even though you've sinned and fallen short, Jesus died in your place, and confess your sins, and so receive forgiveness. Jesus' death on the cross, as so many popular songs and sermons also remind us, is the ultimate sacrifice through which God's wrath, God's anger, was appeased and pacified and the punishment for our sin, as long as we repent and pray the prayer, is placed firmly on his shoulders. The result is that even if Jesus' resurrection gets mentioned at all, it reads more like a happy ever after than anything else. But here's a question. When the Apostle Paul announced to the church in Corinth in chapter 1 verse 23 of his first letter to them that we preach Christ crucified, adding that he was interested in nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified, is this what he meant? Rather than jump into our preformed conclusions, our challenge is actually to listen as hard as we can to Paul on his own terms, to see the world through his eyes, not our 21st century contact lenses, to see things the way they are, not as we are. It's often claimed that Paul, along with all the other New Testament writers, was so taken up with what Jesus had achieved on the cross, somehow solving the problem of our sin, that he never got round to thinking very hard about precisely why or how this wonderful outcome was achieved. Thus, we're told, it was only centuries later that theologians began to get to grips with how exactly God was made at one with humanity through the crucifixion. But the way I see it, not only is this popular view extraordinarily arrogant, it's also one which, once you stop to think about it, makes no sense at all. Paul is the genius, a genius who has the mind to understand and then recalibrate the teaching of Jesus, the Jewish Messiah, not just for the Jewish people, but for the whole world. And at the very same time, the energy to constantly road test it all, however challenging and costly that task. In my view, therefore, to believe that he did all this or that he could do all this without ever reflecting on what his encounter with the crucified and risen Jesus of Nazareth on the Damascus Road meant in terms of his worldview is simply ridiculous. In fact, Paul is very clear about how he sees all this. The problem is a different one. It's that he's just not saying what we've decided we want to hear from him. As we know, as far as Paul, indeed all Jews were concerned, a dead Messiah was no Messiah at all. 
A crucified, messianic candidate, stripped naked, gasping for breath, for water and dignity, didn't speak of liberation. Instead, it spoke of an unmitigated disaster. As Paul himself puts it, a crucified Christ was bluntly a stumbling block to Jews and plain stupidity to Gentiles. For him, therefore, it was Jesus' resurrection and Jesus' resurrection alone that changed the game. And being nothing if not blunt with his friends in Corinth, later, in exactly the same letter, he writes, if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so's your faith. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. The cross without the resurrection is a disaster. And the cross without the resurrection is a misunderstanding of the gospel. It's only the resurrection that transforms the cross, which was an instrument of death and exclusion into what has become the symbol of deliverance for the whole world. Its message is simply this, through love God conquers all, even death. The way I see it, the thought that on the cross Jesus is somehow placating God's anger is completely foreign to the Apostle Paul. Instead, armed only with the non-violent power of truth and love, he understands that Jesus absorbs the consequences of all the injustice and sin in society around him. The cross of Jesus has nothing to do with God's anger or God's longing for retribution. Instead, it's all about humanity's anger, cruelty, violence and longing for retribution. And it's about God's dogged love. The cross, together with the resurrection, is the story of God's scandalous love and unending mercy, rather than of divine anger that somehow has to be averted. And I believe that all this really matters. Why? Because inadequate and erroneous theology inevitably leads to distorted understandings, not only of God, but also of humanity, including our attitudes to and our engagement with our family, our friends, our neighbours, and in the end, the whole of society. But the real question isn't what I think, it's what you think. So, over to you. I say much more about all of this in my new book entitled The Lost Message of Paul, which is out now. You can order your copy from openchurch.network slash lostmessageofpaul.